Do you feel like your boxing is starting to plateau? Do you feel like when you're in the ring, you don't look your best? Well, our friends at Detroit Boxing Company can help take care of that. They have high-quality t-shirts, hoodies, sweatpants, hats that will make you look badass when you are in the boxing ring. TJ puts out fantastic quality stuff, and you know that boxing and martial arts is close to home for me. So if you want to look tight as hell while throwing your jab cross hook, pick yourself up a t-shirt, shorts, do something. Go to DetroitBoxingCompany.com. Use the word CoreyCast at checkout, all one word, to save yourself a little bit of cash for yourself. Again, DetroitBoxingCompany.com. Code word CoreyCast. Our friends at 13 make high-quality, super comfy clothes that fit wicked noise. I'm telling you, everything that I've ordered for them is fantastic. It looks great. It feels great when I put it on. Our friends at 13 are so kind and nice that if you go to their website, thur13en.com, pick yourself up a hoodie, a hat, a shirt, Use the code word CoreyCast at checkout, and you're going to save yourself a little bit of cash. I can't tell you how much I love their stuff and how great those people are that work there. So pick yourself up. Treat yourself. My guest today is an ex-UFC fighter and ex-Bellator middleweight fighter, Tamden McCrory. The barn cat is a tactical, smart, intelligent, technical martial artist, and with a fantastic resume he has now shifted his focus from professional fighting to running his own martial arts gym in Binghamton I've had many times I've been able to train with Tamden and every time I'm training with him or around him or in one of his classes I feel like I take such a wealth of knowledge away Tamden has the technique the fight intelligence, and all around a great way to convey and express that technique. I swear, every time I'm around this dude, I am learning something really cool in my martial arts. If it's Muay Thai or Jiu Jitsu, Jiu Jitsu black belt, Muay Thai coach, Tamden does it all. And now that he shifted his focus to his school, his life has now adjusted and changed a little bit more. I love this conversation because I got a great look into Tamden's life. And not just a great look, but like a genuine and real honest look at his life since now kind of hanging up his gloves. So, hope you enjoyed this podcast with my my friends, the Barn Cat, Tamden McCrory! So I got like one more, couple more bites here. No, go for it. It's it's all good. This is a a very chilled, laid back thing. I've I've uh, gotten very drunk on the podcast once before. Yo, that's the dope shit, man. I'd be doing that, you know. <laughs> it's like y'all be passing beers and beers and blunts around. We have a real real podcast. Telling telling stories about the old days, dude. Everybody tells me I should I should do a podcast, but like. My girlfriend's afraid I'd get canceled. <laughs> so she's like, you're too crazy. You can't talk on, like, 
And I was like, I'm doing, I'm doing a podcast tomorrow. She's like, no, you can't. She's like, you can't. And I was like, yo, like, I'm gonna be on somebody else's podcast. She's like, oh, okay. <laughs> what would like, more people podcast be about you? Fucking crazy, you know. <laughs> what What would your podcast be about? Um, religion and politics. Everything everybody don't want to talk about that gets mm. all flustered. I uh. I'm trying to come up with like good names for you off the top of my head. And the first one is like the barn cat minute. Like, I feel like the BCM podcast, baby. Nah, dude, it's um back when I was living with Eric and uh, <clears throat> before the, uh, <clears throat> the CNY MMA shit show and all the other things that went, went inevitably bad that I was saying was going to go bad. But no, and nobody want to listen to me. Um, he'd be like, "Dude, you, he's like, your life is like you got to write your book and call it worst case scenario, man. Like you always think like the worst case scenario is gonna happen, blah 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 blah." And I was just like, "Nah, like I." In, in that, you know, obviously, like I have uh, anxiety or whatever, let's say. But in that particular, like one particular moment. I was spot on. Like I knew exactly what was going to, like I trusted my gut and then my gut yeah. like was right, you know? Right. So I watched it go down, but it was just funny. But he was like, you should call it worst case scenario. Cause you're always like, think the worst case scenario is going to happen. The I'm worst like, case scenario with Tam. Realistic, bro. I just know like what the fuck's going to happen. You know, I can be like, yeah. Hey, that guy's a shithead. Oh, well this is not fucking good. And then, you know, lo and behold, here we are. And you know, are you? Uh, do you think you're a pretty good judge of character? No. Yeah. No. It sounds like you are, though. Well, I mean, I am, but it takes you a while to figure it out. Well, I mean, so I'm gonna caveat that. I do know I'm a good judge of character, but my problem is that I don't trust, like, I don't follow my gut. Mm. So. Or I've been uh, conditioned to not trust my own instincts, you know, let's say would probably be a more uh, better. uh, um, What's the word? Better way to answer. Yeah, it's a better way of saying it for having a, you know, fucked up uh, childhood or whatever, let's say. So, no, I um, I know I I get a feeling, you know, sometimes I'm wrong, you know, sometimes over time. Like people that I meet, like over time, they'll like uh, grow on me, you know. Yeah. yeah. But most of the time, I knew I knew what was going on the minute it was happening. But I was like, oh well, they're like being nice to me, or mm. I'm fucking codependent, so uh, I'm gonna let that person come in, and then inevitably, like, then you see like shit progress right um almost like you talk yourself out of your gut feeling yeah i mean i've been in a lot of like really um i don't know like toxic or like narcissistic uh codependent relationships i guess like me being the codependent guilty me dude i've for sure i've been in the same same shoes as you before in past relationships like not even just like with like um you know like 
relationships or whatever, like girlfriends or, or just even like friendships or whatever, you know, you realize like it's taken me many years to realize not everybody's nice to you out of the genuine genuineness of their heart. You know, they're a lot, most people, you know, are in things for themselves, you know, and to every degree, like everybody's somewhat self-satisfying, you know, obviously you have to pursue your own uh, wants, but I think that um, <clears throat> there's a certain, certain people use people to get what they want out of them. And then when they don't have, when they're not getting what they want out of them anymore, there's, there's no nothing left. And that's where you yeah. see like what their true colors are. So you're only as valuable as what you can offer to others or you're, you're um, put in a position where you're only as valuable as what you offer or bring to that person or what you can provide to them. And then when you don't do that, they're like no longer there. And it's just like, wow, man, I wish I had just said no earlier. And then I would <laughs> yeah, right. fucking 10 years or whatever it might've been. Have you but, noticed any like uh, particular red flags that happen with people who have that kind of line of thinking? Um, I don't know, man, because there's like different, I mean, everybody has an angle, you know? Mm-hmm. So here's what my thing is. Um, and I want to my own horn. I know I'm going to sound crazy, but I feel like I'm a pretty like genuine person. Like I try to just shoot it straight. Like I'll, you know, I'm, uh, what's the word? Self degrading or, you know, like whatever, like I'm pretty honest. Like I don't, um, <clears throat> I was literally having a conversation with these two new guys that came into my gym last night and they were like, um, you know, they're like college kids and they were just like, came in and trained and, you know, they were all right. But, um, at the end of the night, <clears throat> they're like stuck around. While I was like cleaning the mats and just started like picking my brain about like fighting and like, Oh, like, what did you do? Like, what's your experience? Oh, I see. Like you have like a thing on the wall here. Like, did you, did you win that Naga belt? And I was like, bro, like. The Naga belts, like not even like the one to talk home, right home about. It. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right, right. Uh, but yeah, I mean, they're coming from it. They know nothing about the sport at all. <clears throat> no, I mean they knew like enough, but I mean like to them the Naga belts the big thing, and I'm like, right. no, it's like it's cool, but like nah, bro. But anyways, and then they're like asking about like UFC and Bellator and shit, and I was just like, <sighs> so I started like getting on a roll and like talking about it, and I was just like, bro, like I want you to understand, like when you come in here, like. Did I talk any, did, I was like, you've been here for like, obviously they stay for two classes or whatever, hanging out at the end of the night. And I was like, when you walked in here, did I mention anything about, you know, kissing my ass because I'm so great? Like, no, I was like, exactly. I was like, if you ask me, like, I'll talk about it. But like, I'm not here to like, boost my ego or whatever, you know, like I try yeah. to, I try to treat everybody with respect and whatever. And <clears throat> um, not everybody's like that. I yeah. didn't know this. Yeah, some people, some people will tote that shit around. People just blow smoke, or the my problem is the people that like blow smoke. Like they did some like something, and then they act like they're like uh, the king of the world because of the one like little thing that they did. And at the end of the day, <clears throat> you know, maybe it's my toxic shame, but uh, you know, I feel like I accomplished enough. So. I'm at a point in life where I've accomplished enough to validate my existence. Like I'm, I'm, I validated my right to live on this earth at this point, you know, I've conquered that part of the shame, but I still don't feel like, I don't feel like I, I still achieve like 
what I could or enough, you know, this, yeah. to the, the classic shame word is enough. So I haven't done enough, right. but I feel like I've, I'm, I haven't done enough, but like I've reached a status of like contentment because where you're, you're happy. I'm in a league where I'm not average and I'm not below average. I'm just, a, I'm a little above average. I'm not exceptional. Mm-hmm. I haven't made it to the top, you know, I'm a, like world champ or like, whatever, but where I'm at in, in my field, you know, like I, I did okay. And so I'm okay. I'm not great. But I'm, okay. well, I'm I'll be the one to blow smoke up your ass. I think you are a fantastic, I think you are a fantastic fighter. It's amazing to see you like how your career has like blossomed over from uh, when you had started at you we're fighting for the UFC, were you like 18 or 19? Well, I was like, um, yeah, I was like 19 when I first started fighting. Like around when I turned 19, it's like, so I got, like, we were messing around at the SUNY Cortland, like jujitsu club. This is like 2005. I was like right about where I turned 19, right in that, that area. And then the next semester, which was like 2000, spring of 2006, is like when I got, um, involved with uh eric and ryan and sifu and all them and started you know eric and ryan were doing the fighting thing and i was just like going to the wrestling room and getting beat up and trying to learn how to fight and then it just i kept showing up and get my ass beat you know so i it's funny like if you just keep showing up and keep working hard like sometimes you might actually get somewhere, you know? Right. Yeah. Right. And it's hard work. Uh, what is, what's that old saying? It's like hard work trumps it's, talent when, yeah. When talent doesn't work hard. hard. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Same. That's, that's such a good way to put it. So you're like, you were training. How many fights did you have as amateur before you got signed as pro? Dude, there wasn't even amateur fights back then. Oh shit. Like really? A couple hundred bucks to fight some dude in a bar. Right. Damn. Um, and it was dope though. So it's, it's, it's so crazy how that was compared to now, but it's like, I actually kind of look back like those, those like the golden days, you know, like we had so much fun and it was like, it had that real, like, it was before I had responsibility. Yeah. Right. So it was still fun because once you have responsibility, everything sucks. But, um, (laughs) uh yeah so it was just yeah i mean we were basically just like go fight in like a hotel somewhere and like it was out oh, in fights in massachusetts stuff like that like i didn't even have like a it was like my sixth fight before i actually had one under an athletic commission you know whoa um, six fights before you were even under a commission yeah because back then it was like unregulated so they had it they had mma out in massachusetts and those were like unregulated fights because there wasn't an athletic commission overseeing it. Mm. But then when I started making the jump to fighting in New Jersey, obviously New Jersey, New Jersey was like the first actual MMA state. Like they were the first to um, develop the rules and the unified rules and all that stuff. I think Nick Lembo and all that, that crew. So, <clears throat> you know, fighting down in, in New Jersey, you had to be a little more like, you know, there was actual like, commissions and and bullshit but i mean it's just going into that mentally with the commission did it change anything versus like fighting out of a bar in new york like mentally or physically you had to do 
Um, I mean, nah, I mean, just more like, like they had, obviously they did like the blood work or whatever. And like, there was more, you know, you had to get like your IDs and like, the. it was just, like a whole, like just a lot more formality to it. Whereas when you fought like, uh, in, uh, Club Lido out in Rivia, <laughs> Club Rivia, you just showed up with like a bunch of papers and said, Hey, I'm ready to fight. And then it's like, Oh, okay, sweet. And then, like, someone wouldn't show or whatever. And, like, oh, that guy needs to fight. Well, bop, bop. well I came here to fight. And then it's like, oh, I'll yeah. give you another 100 bucks. Okay, sweet. I mean, really what happened was, like, I fought my first fight. And, you know, I clobbered with this guy. And then I went to go fight another guy. And it was, like, my second fight. <laughs> and they were, like, uh, my opponent was, like, literally at work. Cause like we waited in the day before it was like literally like at work the day before the fight or the day after or whatever the fuck it was. And they were like, Hey, uh, your guy like cut his hand at work and he can't fight. So you don't have a fight, but you can fight like his coach, you know? <laughs> and you know, I was like, Oh, like, well, I came here to fight. And I was like, well, I want more. I was like, well, I want more money then. And they're like, all right, bro, it'd be 500 bucks. And I'm like, all right, 500 bucks. Fuck yeah, dude. You know, that's like nothing, day. man. That's so <laughs> yeah, crazy. Back in the day when you're a college kid and you're just like, yeah. you know, um, so a G, baby. Yeah, dude. So I got, <laughs> anyways, I fought this guy and, you know, I knew like he was a striker. So really I just had to get it to the ground. And, <clears throat> you know, back then there was a lot more people that were more one dimensional. And yeah. so it was, uh, but yeah, I won. And then that That's was crazy. Like, that was where it really started, where they were like, oh, okay, maybe this guy isn't some chode. Like, because obviously I wasn't the most polished fighter, but I had had a lot of grit and I was tough. And I uh just, you know, I kept going. So I won that one, and that was kind of where like the ball started going, where it was like, okay, like maybe I can make something happen. And then a year later I was fighting in the UFC. What a what a wild projection, huh? Like, like fighting one year and then the next year fighting like top tier. Like that was, uh, when was that when you signed for the UFC? 2006? 2007. So like seven, it was like May of, actually it came up in like my, um, my memories, memories. Like, Oh, I just like, I made like a Facebook post back before Facebook even had like photos and shit on it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, wow. You know, it used to be what is a status update was like Sandra McCrory is, and then you wrote whatever you were feeling. You know, it was like a right. And I was like, I just wrote my status was fighting Pete Spratt at Ultimate Fight Night Ten or whatever it was. Damn, <clears throat> that was actually what was yeah, that like? Like fifteen like, years ago now, bro. Fifteen, yeah, 15 years, bro. Years, bro. Like that's fucking years, wild. Bro. When uh, you got that phone call from the UFC, what were your first thoughts? How did you feel after getting the call to fight for a show? I would imagine by now you would watched and fell in love with. Yeah, I mean, I was stoked. Like I would, <clears throat> I mean, I just had like a lot of like belief in myself, and I was like, I'm gonna take, the, I'm gonna ride this as. I'm going to take this as far as I can. Like I want to be successful. And, you know, 
uh, it all goes down to like a lot of like my childhood shit. Um, and, but I, you know, when I got the call, I was obviously like, okay, let's go. It's funny too. Cause my guys were like, I remember, uh, Corey, <laughs> Corey LaPlante, he was, you know, Corey, right? Yeah. 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 Fuck dude is crazy, but he's, you know, he's a good dude. He's like, uh, <clears throat> He's like, bro, what are you going to do? You're going to have to vacate your belt. Like, how are you going to, like, because I was, like, the NABC, like, champ or whatever. Um, <clears throat> and he's like, dude, like, you're going to have to, like, give up your belt or, so- or something about, like, the belt. Because I was, like, I had a a title fight coming up. But then that got scrapped, obviously, because UFC called. And they were, like, <clears throat> it's funny, too, because the fucking guys, I was fighting for, like, a smaller promotion, you know? Um and when the UFC called and, like, you know, Ryan, who was managing me at the time, called him back, said, yeah, I got a UFC. He's like, well, we'll match their, we'll match their uh, money if you, you know, if, if that would keep them. And then you're like, fuck you, bro. I should have been making that money the whole time, you know? Yeah, right? yeah. Like, I was oh, getting, now you want to match it. I was only getting, like, I don't know, like. 3500 a fight or something like that and like wow. the ufc was like eight and eight and they're like oh well, we'll like we'll pay you eight and eight. Oh, yeah what <laughs> you know you'll give How me like four times the the money or whatever it, it was just crazy but anyways so i got uh i got the call and Corey was like bro what about the belt and i was like bro there's only one belt left to chase man and that's it and he was just like bro yeah. And I was like, dude, that's the mindset, you know? You got to get to the top. That's wild. Were you nervous at all for fighting for the UFC, going from, like, a smaller stage to a to a bigger, more televised thing? Nope. Or that shit just not affect you? Fighting was so much easier when I had nothing to lose. Oh. When you have something to lose – that's where the anxiety uh, comes in. Well, that's what do you have to lose now? <clears throat> um, I mean, right now I don't have anything to lose. So it's it's so like this is where a lot of so I've gone through an, a, an entire like a crazy I don't know crazy I've gone through a growth process. Let's say yeah. Um, and I can realize like how some things you know thought patterns ingrained in me from, like I said, like a crazy uh, childhood and my other sports and like toxic coaching, I guess you could say, you know, because that's another thing that affects you for sure would be, um, you know, I have a more healthy perspective, but, you know, obviously there's a lot of like, you know, ego in martial arts and like, obviously myself included, you know, I'm not like immune to that thought, but you know, I keep mine, I would say I keep mine kind of like in check. Like I know I'm pretty, I mean, like any given day I could take somebody, but like, I'm not sitting here trying to like, um, fight everybody every day. You know what I'm saying? You got to yeah, yeah, yeah. battles or whatnot, but I just feel like when I was younger, you know, I was 19, 20, nobody expected anything of me. So <clears throat> there was only up. You could only go up. Yeah. Like, and, you know, I came from, you know, I don't know. I was kind of lackluster, I guess you could say, in my other, like, um, sporting thing. People always think, like, I was a great wrestler. I wasn't a great wrestler. I was a hardworking wrestler. 
Um, and by the time I was a senior, I was like, okay, but like, I never like made it out of the section. I never did anything significant, you know, like, um, I only won a single tournament, like my entire career, you know? Right. But, um, what was I saying? I wasn't uh, an athlete. So, I mean, to me, like, I'm already, I'm already a piece of shit. So like, <laughs> fuck it. I can only be not a piece of shit. Cause if I lose, they already think I'm a piece of shit anyways, <laughs> you know, I might as well just, I'm either going to prove them right. I'm going to prove them right. Or I'm going to prove them right one way or the other. Right. I either validate my existence or I'm a piece of shit. One or the other. Right. So if I'm already a piece of shit, I can only validate. I can only get good. I can only go up. Once right. you get like, kind of like to me it was like once you get something because like I never I guess you could say I never grew up with any you know I never had anything or whatever and now like once you get it now you can't let go of it and then it's the grip the death grip you try to have on try to keep on what you have and if your fear of losing that makes you fuck it up you know kind of like uh relationships or other things you know what I'm saying like if you try to hang on to like or hanging on to bad relationships off. Oh, I double down on this. Maybe it'll work out. Nah, it never does. Like, you know, like you got to let things go. You got to be like, you got to flow, bro. Flow, bro. Do you think you had mentioned the, when you had gotten into the UFC, the, like it, there wasn't so much pressure, right? Like the bar wasn't set so high when you made your uh, resurgence after, cause you had like, you had a career at the UFC and then you took a hiatus for a little while, uh-huh. uh, which, Correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like it was a car accident or something, right? You took some time off. There's a lot of things, man. You know, obviously. We don't have to get into that. But going back, like then after you had that hiatus, Mm -hmm. you then got in, uh, you got signed by Bellator. Do you feel like when you were fighting for Bellator, the pressure was was like way bigger because you had a reputation for being the barn cat? Fuck no. I was out. So that's another thing. Dude, that's why I love you. (laughs) That's... (laughs) so yes and no i should say that like obviously so obviously um i didn't want to lose what i already had you know still clinging on to like the being the the barn cat or whatever clinging to like that air of success but um i mean i had five years off so nobody was really looking at me Um, and so like, again, I came in as the underdog and I came in with not much anticipation or, or expectation, I guess you could say. And I lit it up, you know, so it worked out. It was like a win-win situation. So anytime like you have something like that, it just makes it, I, I feel like that's where I was the most relaxed, you know, when I knew, um, when I knew like, Hey, it's just, it's just business. You know, I didn't have to get so wrapped up in like, you know, <clears throat> and I think that comes from like, all like I, I came from, like I said, what I would consider toxic coach, maybe not toxic coaching or some type of toxic coaching or like, yeah. you know, if you lose like you're fucking, you know, it's like, you got to fall on your shield. Like you're, you're inadequate, you're whatever, you know? And uh, instead of like that growth mindset, you know, it's like, oh, you lost like your match wrestling or whatever. You let the team down like you're the you're the reason why it failed. And I always like internalize things. 
significantly. Yeah. So anytime people, you know, I take criticism harshly, but, um, <clears throat> and I have a lot of shame. So it makes me work harder and all that. Yeah. When, when you look at the two, the Tamden at uh, 19 fighting in the UFC versus Tamden fighting on uh, Bellator, making his uh, resurgence. What do you think is the, the biggest difference between the two, the two, the two forms of Tamden? <clears throat> well, when I was like, when I came back in uh, Bellator, I, um, I would say that my, I had spent all those years like developing like my ground game. <clears throat> so where I wasn't as strong or I was more, I guess you could say, um, I had more anxiety about my ground game <clears throat> in my earlier years. Cause remember, I mean, I was like barely even a blue belt or whatever. I didn't train yeah. as much jujitsu and like I was fighting black belts and all that shit. So like, uh, you know, I always knew like I could win those fights, but you always had that, Oh man, like they're really strong there. You know, it, it gives a little bit of tension or whatnot, but I think that <clears throat> I had a much better ground game because I developed that. And I was also, I mean, at the time, I was also like, you know, how do I, I don't want to sound like a dick, but um, <clears throat> I just wasn't impressed. Like, I was like, okay, I watched these guys fight and I'm like, I could do that. You know, like even now today, like, I know I'm still like, I'm I'm older and whatever, and I'm not like quite where I'm not, I'm not no spring chicken no more. But, uh, <laughs> You're like, I'm a dad. Yeah, I'm a dad, dude. I got a dad bod now. So <laughs> I, um, you know, I still, I'm like, you know, I could, uh, I could achieve some success. You know, I still have it within me, you know, and, uh, but when I came back, I was obviously more well-rounded. I felt like I felt my ground game was better and, uh, <clears throat> I was in good shape and, I was just on the grind. And actually the funny thing was, was that I th feel like that was the best like point in my life was really when I came back into Bellator um, because I was training like consistently. I mean, I've been training for like years, like for that quote unquote comeback. It wasn't like something that like whatever. And I'm very like <laughs> perfectionist, I guess you could say. So I always like set these like really long like fight camps and like I want to be in really good shape. And I'm always have I have uh, cardio anxiety. Like I always feel like I'm going to be like a fat shit and not be able to make yeah. it around. You right. know, and I just uh, right. like no offense, like for all of the fucking shamers, but you know what I'm saying? Right? <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like I'm going to be out of shape and I'm going to suck and blah, blah, blah. So, um, you know, but back then I was just like, you know what? Small steps, small steps, you know, I'm coming off whatever. And I trained in a much like more moderate fashion and I felt like I was more successful. And it was always like in the, like in my first stage of my career, like I'd always like, burn out like go real hard and then yeah. even in my later you know i was like really trying to push it like when i got back in the ufc and that kind of took a toll on my body as well um so but i just felt like in that time like in 2014 2015 like that was where i had peaked i was like 27 28 somewhere in there 27 28 going in 29 and that mm -hmm. was just like my peak and then <clears throat> You know, it took a little dip after that, I feel like. But uh, those are good times, man. Yeah, that's a, 
I call I I remember telling uh Mike I felt like uh watching you come back to Bellator was like Tamden 2.0. Like yeah. literally ev- everything had improved not only ground game but also your stand up like you freaking knocked out Brennan Warden, hit him five times before he even hit the floor. Right. <laughs> like you knocked him out with one punch and hit him four times as he was falling to the floor, which is one of the still it's like one of my favorite memes that picture of you about the know, yeah. hook, and it's wow. like on monday you know yeah. like it's still one of my favorites <laughs> well dude that was like one of those things too man you know like when you're in a state of flow and i feel like everybody talks about it but i mean like <clears throat> true yeah i mean i was fucking invincible both that fight and like the uh butcher fight after the two fights in bellator like i don't know what it was but i was so like spot on dude like you know and i don't know how many fighters you you know have the on the watching the show but i'm assuming that everybody that's like fought that's had like a good like classic like highlight or like a good fight like that can tell you like you know it was like everything was in slow motion like you could see it coming like you just knew it like your body moved in a way that you didn't have to think about it just was there just connected blah 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 and like i can still i have a very like visual like photographic like memory like i can still see it in my head like fucking clock in this dude's head on the world. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But like yeah. I just I remember the feeling like in my body where I was just like, dude, like oh, man, he's just he's like it's fucking slow motion. Like I'm gonna catch him. Like I know Do you think that, that contributes to all the reps that you were putting in prior <laughs> to that? Yeah, I mean like I was fast, I was like explosive, I had, you know, good conditioning, I was in good shape. I just I feel like I had hit a lot of good things right there. <clears throat> and plus like um you know stylistically I guess I could say I I was you know it, it all worked out. I don't know. I mean things could have gone different but they went the way that they did. Um yeah, I mean my biggest problem I think like on the coming back so like obviously <clears throat> you know I had a good decent little thing in Bellator um, and in my UFC return. But what I, you know, when I fought Jocko and obviously that didn't go too hot, um, I really began to see how my timing had kind of gotten off, like with my standup, let's say. What do you think contributed to it? Were you just focusing more on uh, like jujitsu at the time? <clears throat> well yeah i mean that's where i had the most partners but i think honestly the lack of sparring yeah like, that's why when i fought marquardt i went out to vegas because like there just wasn't i couldn't get the rounds in to like just have somebody punching at me and like <clears throat> working that like sparring time like you know doing the mitts is like one thing but you gotta really like you gotta be fighting somebody you know yeah. like and you want to fight you want to have a few fights before you have your fight you know yeah. you gotta um you know, it's funny. I was out there, and the one guy, the guy I was working with, like strength conditioning guy, Mike Atkinson, he was like, "Bro, he's like, you're not gonna get any tougher. He's like, you already beat yourself up. Like, you're already tough. He's like, you already fight people. Like, you fucking fight in the UFC. He's like, you don't gotta kill yourself to be good. He's like, you just gotta get the reps in. You just gotta do the work. Blah blah blah. 
not gonna change my like training perspective back to like okay let's do like a moderate thing instead of like trying to go balls to the wall all the time oh i was just gonna say do you think uh because it seems like you're a big proponent of like sparring and getting your getting rounds in do you think uh sparring is more important like when you're amateur level versus professional well what i think so here's what i do this is what i would say i'm very much like a technician like i want you know i'm a perfectionist so i want like my shit to be tight you know so i'm always focused on I guess you could say I was like focused on like a technical, like flow run, like time sparring. No, but I mean, like I would hit mitts all the time, hit oh. the bag, whatever. Like I was always developing the tools, but I didn't get a chance to necessarily the chance to um, do the application. Does that make sense? So yeah, I had yeah. the tools because like on the bag and on the mitts, like I look sharp. Okay. I'm, I am sharp. I'm sharp when I spar too. But uh, you didn't, didn't get have, the rounds in with that. sparring. I just didn't have like the timing and the comfort with that, that I, I wanted to, let's say. And, you know, I could have done. And, but the thing is, it's always a should have, could have, would have and right. whatever, because I know guys that don't train a lick and go out there and knock your ass out. And I know guys like, I feel like myself that I'll bust my ass and like, I'll earn it. Like I'll punish myself to be successful. And then I've paid the most sacrifice and then I still yeah. end up short. And that's why I think I stopped. Well, part of it is financially, but one of the reasons why I stopped fighting was because the pain of losing hurt worse than the thrill or the joy of winning. Mm. And I was not able, I was having a hard time like balancing those two things. Oh, hell yeah. Does that wow. makes sense. Yeah. Because, for sure. uh, losing makes me a piece of shit, you know? Yeah. But winning is just accepted of me. And that's where I'm that's where I'm telling you, that's where the mental aspect of my career like changed. Because when I was no longer, you know, just some fucking piece of shit, then I had like a reputation to uphold. And then I had to be successful. There was more, you know, otherwise. I'm, you know, it's like uh, winning the lottery and then losing it all. I mean, I've already won the lottery in life. Compared to where I came from, I am a lottery winner. I should be, I should not be a, a, a positive member of society based on, you know, what I experienced <clears throat> over the course of my life. And, you know. Uh, it's so weird you say that, dude, because that was my exact line of thinking with, I've only had two fights. I had a the tie fight and then the kickboxing fight. And the tie fight I lost by a split decision. And I felt like a piece of shit. Like right. you're saying, like what you're saying, it reminds me like I felt so terrible as if like and I know that's not the case. Like I didn't I didn't let my family down. I didn't let my friends down. I didn't let my team down that I lost, but fuck, it felt like I did. Mm -hmm. You know? I remember being like getting done with that fight finding out that I lost split decision, being so fucking mad at myself, like being in the shower, like hating myself on the wall and being like, God, I I'm so embarrassed. And then when I, when I won the kickboxing fight, 
it felt it felt like I should have won. Like right. you know, like like the I don't do the you way do what you were expected to do. Yeah, right. Like well, it's not, that, know, it's not that special, right? Right. That it's and also too, I've t- tell this story in my class, and the reason why I didn't pursue fighting professionally was because uh when I had my kickboxing fight, my second fight, that guy hit me with a hook so hard, I saw Jesus. Right. <laughs> but I was oh like I it was like for a flash second. And mm-hmm. then when I finished the fight, I was driving home. Well, my wife and I were driving home, girlfriend at the time. She's like, do you want to do this the rest of your life? And I was like, I I don't know. He hit me so hard, and I got zero money for any of that. Like, that was all just like, like we had headgear on, and like I didn't get paid anything. And then I'm like, I don't know if I want to get head trauma all the time for the rest of my life. <laughs> like, like, I like the idea of like training people, but I, I, that idea was was lost on me because like when I won, I was like, Oh yeah, it's great that I won. But it didn't it didn't feel ultra special to me. Dude, my girlfriend's always talking shit about me having CTE or whatever. And I'm like, yo, go back and look <laughs> at my fights. Like I didn't get hit that much. Like I know in my last two, like I got knockouts, but I mean other than that, like you go back, dude. Like watch my fights. I wasn't get it wasn't I wasn't eating fucking shots every day, you know, like or taking punishment. I was keeping my head keep I always tell my kids in the kids' class, you know, gotta gotta cover your computer, keep your computer in check. And uh so <clears throat> yeah, dude. I mean, it takes a toll. It's certainly like it's 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 all risk and all reward. I mean, the high of the win is better than probably better than sex. If you know, for those of us that have like experienced that or like a highlight reel, like knockout or fucking whatever, like it is the most, Honestly, like, I feel like a highlight reel finish would be way cooler to me than a win. Like, I feel like if I, maybe if I didn't win by decision and I like knocked the guy out in the first round, like maybe that would have felt more special to me. Yeah. No, it definitely does. I mean, there's nothing better. Like, so I'm going to sound a little crazy for a minute. I'm logical. I'm a very judgment-free zone, Tamden. I know you're not crazy. Everybody fucking judges me anyways. It's all right. It's good. So (laughs) my thing is from a logical, so I I always, you know, you always hear Sifu talk about like your reptile, your reptilian brain, right? Like your Mm -hmm. reptilian brain. Um, and I had a conversation with, with, I talk to people about this every once in a while, they they bring it up or whatever. And so I can tell you why you'll, you felt like a piece of shit, because if you and I, like if we were animals in the animal kingdom, right. Um, and I wanted something and you wanted the same thing, we could, well, generally, like two lions fighting over a fucking gazelle, right? You, man, we're going to fight. And if we fight and I win. Then I can't provide. You're not eating or you ain't getting pussy, one or the other. (laughs) Or both. Or both. That's right. That is right. Okay. So what? As a as if you believe if you believe in evolution and all that shit, there's basically four things that you need to do, right? You need to breathe, you need to drink water, you need to eat, and the last thing that you need to do is fuck. 
and profit. Oh, I'm so glad you said that because that's where I was thinking. Yeah. I mean, that's it. If you yeah, if it. you whittle your if you bring like what you know, like they talk about the Maslow's hierarchy of needs or whatever. Okay, let's break it down to like actual just life survival, just anything, any life that exists. There are four things that you need to do. You need to breathe. You need to drink. You need to eat, and you need to procreate. That's it. That's the only thing that you need to do on this earth. Is to continue living until you can't do those things anymore, right? So fighting, you know, we could be fighting for water. We could be fighting for whatever. And shit, you're fighting for air when you're doing jujitsu, right? right? So um, in all of those things, like when you get down to the actual like uh, evolution or like inner, you know, whatever conflict, when you lose, you know, the consequence can be your life, you know, or if not your life, your quality of life significantly. So that's why losing in anything is painful because in your reptilian brain, you probably, and if you, if they say it's true, your memories are trans are your memories. Like you have deep rooted, like generational, um, memories that are transferred through your dna to you so every time a loss someone took an l in your bloodline like you have that like memory in your cells let's say right and it can't be that bad because the worst memory would be death and non-procreation right but somehow whoever did it like obviously they fucked enough to have you here, right? So Yeah, right, right. They did the fourth one enough. That's right, dude. <laughs> yeah. That's the most important. That's a it's a that's a really cool way to put it because it's like you're like no one's you're no there's no love lost because you lost an amateur kickboxing fight. Like everybody still loves you. There's no no there's no change in opinions, you know what I mean? But right. when you walk out of there, you feel like there is a change of it. Like everyone's gonna hate you for it. Yeah. Even though it's not the case at all. Well, you got to remember love, the, the notion of love is like a new brain, emotion, chemical thing that you have now. Going back to your reptilian brain, you know, like, do you think a, so if we came from like single cell to multi-cell, do you think your single cell or your average single cell organism on the planet thinks like, oh, I think my mom and dad love me? No, they're breathing drinking uh eating eating and procreating that's all they're worried about right now you know until they get the next level of consciousness um to where they can think about oh well delayed gratification and love and emotion and blah 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 so in your reptilian brain which is if you you know if you believe in all this shit you that's what you have had in your nerve you know, neurological system for eons. So that's your, that's the the very bottom of your core. That's where you're at. So that's why it hurts so much, you know, like love and the idea, the anticipation of whatever of love is like a fleeting thing anyways, you know, or like the, like, you know, I don't know how to explain it, but 
it's a newly like newly formed like thought in your head or emotion in your head the the notion of love but the pain of loss and providing those four things like is so ingrained in you and that's why i feel like it's so um so painful and that's why the juice isn't always worth the squeeze because the pain of the pain of losing is worth it hurts more than the pleasure of winning yeah did did you find MMA was like fulfill like fighting was very like emotionally and spiritually I guess fulfilling or was it just uh something fun that you were good at <clears throat> um well probably not oh, so can you repeat the question one more time? I had an answer for you. No, you're okay. Did you do you feel like uh, fighting was like very spiritually or mentally fulfilling? Um, yes, but if I could, so it's fun. Like I'm. Um... I guess everything in life shapes you. And so, like I said, like I was, uh, I didn't have, my upbringing was challenging to say the least. Um, And being honest, um, basically my whole like, life i guess you could say is uh trying to like i said explain validate validate my existence and so there's a couple reasons why fighting what so i so i feel like um <clears throat> there was a lot of uh you know i had some neglect growing up um, you know, obviously experienced some abuse. I'll get to that in a minute, but, uh, <clears throat> basically I didn't, I don't feel like I received like the love that I wanted. So everything that I've been doing in life has been chasing a love that I didn't get when I was a child. Oh, wow. Right. So when you get into, um, <clears throat> I mean, like I've known this for years, but I've also like been in, been in, you know, go, I fucking got a shrink or whatever, but, um, I'm pretty, uh, uh, what is it? They call me emotionally intelligent. Oh, right. So the actual, so I know why I am the way I am. The way I am is not always who I want to be sometimes, but I know why I am that way. And I know what specific experiences led me to becoming, you know, the man I am today. Um, fighting kind of gave you the love and appreciation. Um, people actually cared about me uh, when I fought. So mm-hmm. I always tell people I had I lived two lifetimes. Okay, so everything up until nineteen was like my what I call my former life. Right. Um, I didn't have a lot of friends. Uh, the friends that I. You know, you know, I mean, you're also a self-proclaimed nerd. 
Right. Well, I mean, I just how do I like I don't want to sound like a fucking dick. I just I I am me. I'm unique, right? I have a weird name. They used to call me fucking tampon growing up. That's another reason I want to fight motherfuckers all the time. (laughs) Anyways, um, I I don't know, man. So, like, I told you I have a very good, like, memory. But there's certain parts of, like, my really early childhood that I don't remember. And I think that, you know, maybe that's, like, the trauma that I'm trying to, like, uncover or deal with in, like, my uh, therapy sessions or whatnot. But in either way... What I can tell you is, like, I felt um, <clears throat> a certain amount of neglect or unimportance as a child. And so my fighting was a way for me to be exceptional and for a way for people to uh, admire or have take some interest in me. So I am not an interesting person without fighting. So it's a double-edged sword right now. You know what I'm saying? So um, obviously like I was married, now divorced. I have a new girlfriend or whatever and her and I are like closer than ever and we have good communication. She, she fucking listens to me and I talk like you know, I've, I've talked half this hour or whatever. But um, basically the only thing that really uh, like I, I feel like I'm a good person. Like I got a good moral compass. Like I've made, you know, I've made, I've erred, I've sinned. Like everybody else has. Don't get me wrong. I'm not that, not that high on my horse. But you know, I feel like I've always had like a good moral compass and like a true north that I tried to find. Or I had like a line that every time I deviated from, I was like, fuck, I got to get back on my line. You know, I know how to get back to my, my compass. Let's say my my true north. And yeah. so um, I have. I think I was, I always thought like, man, I'm a good person. Like I'm a good dude. Like I care, blah, 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 blah. But nobody really sees that. Nobody really appreciates that, you know? And so I didn't really get a whole lot of attention or people didn't notice, or maybe I was just dumb, didn't realize it. That could be it too. Apparently I don't know when women are flirting with me. I've learned that, but uh, you know, um, I wasn't well socialized as a child either. So how the fuck would I know that either? So anyways, but so everything is about, trying to get some type of validation, some type of like acceptance, some type of appreciation, just fucking get somebody to pay attention to me, you know? So fighting was a way to get people to pay attention to me, for me to be exceptional, for me to be special. And so that was like a route that I took um, because I mean, to me, that was like the creme de la creme. You know, I talked to my girlfriend. I was like, you know, like, you know, like, cause like she dates me outside of the gym. She has no, like, obviously I like, there's a loose like tie to it or whatever, but like, she doesn't train in my gym. She's not into martial arts. She doesn't watch sports. She doesn't give a fuck or whatever. Right. So like to her, like I went to fights last weekend and everybody's like, oh my God, there's and she's like laughing she's like oh my god like people actually care about you and i was like yeah bitch like fucking yeah <laughs> um, but uh you know um so she's like not into it basically right yeah um but i told her i was like yo like do you think the other dudes that because she has like friends like girlfriends and and like dudes or whatever that know who i am obviously like they all watch this shit and they're like oh my god i can't believe you're dating that guy or whatever. And I was like, do you ever think that they think like, oh man, Tandon's here. Like, I better watch out. And she's like, no, I don't think anybody thinks about fighting like you do. Everybody doesn't fight. Blah, blah, blah. I was like, nah. I was like, I don't, I disagree. Cause like I talked to like people at the gym <laughs> and she's like, well, they're all in your fucking call. They're going to listen to what you say. 
And I'm like, nah, I'm like, listen, like if you walk in a room and like, if you're every dude who like walks in a room, like sizes up the room to a degree, you know, like you like, you just, you survey it. Right. Like, you know, like, okay. Like if shit pops off, like that guy's going to be a problem, you know, <laughs> you're giving everybody an ocular pat down. Yeah. You basically like, you kind of, you sir, you scan the room and you know, who's going to be a problem who isn't. Right. So right. I was like, when I walk in the room, like I'm assuming like people be like, oh shit like i hope he doesn't get like <laughs> mad or whatever because i don't know what the fuck i'm gonna do because i'm gonna kick his ass i mean they can try and come get it but like whatever you know just like i don't know nobody thinks they like can that. try and come get it but they're gonna have like brennan ward i know but i think they I, I think they think like that you know what i'm saying like i'm cool like i'm not like fucking super tough guy or whatever you'll never hear me talk about fighting you'll never hear me talk about fighting unless you bring it up you know like i'm not gonna be like oh whatever you know but i use this podcast because i what? asked you about it yeah, I know. I didn't say, let me come in here and talk about it. You asked me, so just remember <laughs> that. But anyways, so, uh, oh, what was I going to say? Sizing people up. Yeah, so you just size people. Anyway, so there's just like an innate, like again, the reptilian brain. Reptilian brain. So my reptilian brain, you know, everybody everybody there kind of sizing each other up. And it's like, you girls do it all the time. She's like, she she, she acts like they don't. Like, you do. Like, it's like a, it's like a, uh, it's a, uh, um women are the worst at it too because they're like Natural oh, look at her nails look at her with her eyelashes look at she oh she thinks she's fucking fancy with those hair extensions and then you know they all do it to themselves and they act like they don't so on women they compete on beauty on men we compete on resources and um the provider status and part of that provider is protection, right? Like I got to be able to beat ass if I need to. Um, so when you walk in and you can beat ass and you can take what other dudes have, like that's a valuable thing for women to want to court. Or I would have thought so because none of these chicks ever came flocking to me when I was fighting, you know, like I figured they would because I could, I could get resources. I can fight, you know? <laughs> um, do, anyway. you think, do you think the, uh, like the school now gives you a different sense of fulfillment, like a different type of uh, love and affection. 100%. Write that down though. Cause I'm gonna come back to it. Oh, okay. I'm still right. on. I'm still, I, I, my, uh, you're still on sizing people up. I'm still on why I fight. Yeah. But I'm also, I got ADD. And I don't oh, good. I, this this podcast has zero plans. Perfect, because I'll keep talking. Anyways, <laughs> um, real quick, I can tell you. So, like, number one, I would say fighting is like my form of validation. Everything I do is for some type of validation. Like, I need to be validated. I don't feel like uh, for some reason in my life something went undone, unsaid, unloved, on whatever, where I don't feel like I deserve to be on this earth or that I have to earn my place on this earth. And that's the shame that's in me. You know, there's never enough. I didn't do enough. I'm not enough. I didn't be enough. I couldn't love enough. I couldn't X, Y, Z enough, enough, enough. Okay. So that's one of the reasons why that's one of my big motivators. So most people like shame and self-loathe and I'm like shame and achieve. So I have to achieve. I have to be doing something. I have to be exceptional. I have to gain praise. I have to validate my existence. And you'll hear me say that multiple times. Um, but I remember like, so as a child, it all came down to, well, I'll fuck kick your ass. 
<laughs> always like that was always like the thing you know like it all comes down to that essentially so like getting back to like when I walk in the room of like my girlfriend's friends I'm like I asked her like do you think they're worried about like me and she's like nah I was like I bet you they are I was like if I walked up to them and said I'm gonna you know excuse my language but if I were like you know and again this is the reptilian brain I walk up to a dude and say, yo, I'm going to fuck your bitch. Or what? They better have an answer for or what. Or that's what's <laughs> going to happen. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you went back yeah. to like the – and I'm not saying that's how I am, but I'm saying like in the primal like evolutionary perspective. That's We're talking caveman. Right, exactly. Cave, I'm talking cave, your reptilian brain. We're going back a couple like thousand centuries, you know? All right. Whatever it is. So – that's pretty much it. So unless you can talk me out of that or you, which isn't going to happen if I'm physically overpowered, you know, I can physically do that. You know, like the biggest ape is, you know, biggest fucking gorilla is going to bang all the bitches. You know, that's kind of what it is. That's scientific right? fact. Biggest right. gorilla so the same, biggest bitches. So I, you know, I'm not the biggest dude, but I can fight, you know, we're, we're more, we have technique, we have brains or whatever. Anyways, so I have that capability and that was always like the equalizer. And I feel like that was something that was a common thing growing up. Like I was always under threat of violence and I always had people that were trying to like physically um, hurt me or stop me from getting something or like they would pick on me and blah, blah, blah. And there was never any retribution or whatnot. So the only way to uh, overcome that would be to exceed them in that capacity you know that's one thing you know then there's two other significant uh instances like growing up that like are why i am who i am (laughs) so like one was like my mom uh split up from my dad when i was really when i was about 11 i think it was and she like um met some dude at the bar and just moved us in with him like the fucking next day, you know, type of shit. And this guy was uh, the most loathsome person on earth. I don't think I have met someone more terrible than this dude, but um, my mom uh, is a fucking nut job. So anyways, Every time my dad would come and exchange, you know, because my dad had the weekend visitation. Every time my dad would exchange us, my mom's, like, boyfriend would, like, go out on the porch and, like, just talk all this shit. Like, I'm going to kick your fucking ass. Like, you step foot on my porch again. I'm going to fucking lay you out, blah, blah, blah. And it would all, I mean, every fucking time, dude. Like, there was not, uh, like, even when my dad would try to drop us off on the side of the house and not even come to the porch, my mom's boyfriend would come out just to be like, fuck you, like, blah, 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 blah. And when I was a kid, I was just like, come on, dad, just like beat the fuck out of this asshole. Like, <laughs> fucking put him in his place, you know? Like, yeah. he's like, come on, like, fucking save me, bro. You know, like, whatever. And, 
you know, obviously my dad and I talked, I, I get why he didn't do that. You know, and as he said, it was better to better to have me on the weekends than to have me from jail, you know? Yeah, so yeah. I get that part of it, but in my, like, I, I still can't, there's a part of me that still can't accept that, let's say. So, yeah. um, that right there kind of shaped me into like doing the wrestling thing and lifting and being stronger and like being able to fucking fight, you know? And right, you saw those kind of instances and you're like, I'm not gonna, somebody says that to me, I'm going to whoop their ass. Well, not even that, just like. To kind of defend yourself, right? And I don't it. ever want someone to make. My thing is, or what? Or what? Or what? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Tamden, I need you to do this. Or what? Uh, well, well, then or shut what? the fuck up and sit yeah. the fuck down. You know, I don't, I don't want someone to exude that type of control over me. And I get like a lot of it. It's kind of like when they take the little elephant and they put the little stake in the ground when they're young. And then when they get older, they still get t- tied to that stake. And they, even though they could run away, they don't, you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like they condition the little elephant from, and when it's a little elephant that this little stake is going to tie them in and they can't get away. But then when they grow up and they've exceeded that, they could get out. They don't because right because they're, they're trained on that condition, little, right? That anchor. So that was like me, like one of my things, you know. But anyways, yeah. I was like, again, or what, or what, bitch? Like, let's right. fucking go now. And now I have the strength and the determination and the ability to have that or what conversation. I can stand up for myself, you know. And like I said, I grew up in like a much more like crazy and like violent or like abusive like fucking household in that regard. Not everybody experiences that, but I did. So how do I overcome that little how do I protect that little boy? How do I protect my inner child? And that is by or what, bitch? Or what? Make you swallow your goddamn teeth. You know? <laughs> so that's kind of like that was one huge like that right there was basically the big thing that shaped me. But then like in college, many years later, I remember this dude, this is fucking crazy. So we go to like, I was hanging with this guy. We go to this fucking frat. I didn't know what frat we were in, but it was on like, I can't remember what fucking street it is. I could walk by it. I know. Anyways. And you remember like, t- like t- it was like the ultimate fighter, like season one was out. This is before I even started training to fight. Like, it's 2005, you know, 2004, 2005. Right. Anyways. And remember Jason Giambi? Oh wow, I have not heard that name in a long time. He was that st- he was that steroid dude from the Yankees or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. So, anyways, I remember it because yeah. I was at this frat party and we're watching like the tough finale or whatever it was. And then they have like a sports center come on and it's like Jason Giambi and they're talking about him doing roids. And you know, I'm fucking 18, 19, I'm drinking, talking shit. I'm like, oh man, who'd take steroids? A bunch of fucking pussies, blah, blah, blah. Like, just be a man, you know? Like, fucking work hard, whatever. I didn't realize they took me to the fucking steroid frat, bro. So I'm sitting here talking shit about people that take fucking steroids and being pussies and shit. (laughs) So this one dude, I'll never forget him. 
fucking name was Colby. He's like, oh, dude, like those are some sweet shoes. And they were, dude. They were like some fucking like vans. Like I had them. And I was like, oh, dude. he's like, yo, let me see your shoes. Like, oh, bro. Like, I, you know, I was like, yeah, dude. Like I fuck see those laces, right? I remember this. Fuck, I remember this so well. I'm like, bro, see those laces right there? It's like those fucking laces are custom, bro. I fucking put those laces in myself, you know? Like I'm just talking <laughs> shit. He's like, dude, let me see that, man. Let me see that. I'm like, oh, I was like, bro. So I fucking go like this. I'm like, bro, look at this thing. And he pours his beer in my shoe and I go, what the fuck are you doing? And he's like, drink up, bitch. He's like, fucking drink, pussy, or whatever. And I was like, bro. I was he's like, he's like, drink it. And I was like, nah, whatever. And he's like, yeah, go slosh around in that. He's just talking shit because he just poured a beer in my shoe. And I was like, I have to fucking kill you now. I was like, I have to fucking kill you. Like, I cannot believe in my fucking right mind that you thought it was appropriate to do such a thing. So I'm like, having like a come to Jesus, like I got to fucking, I got to swing on this dude. You're well, having fucking or like, what bitch moment. Right. I was having, I the or what was about to be fucking now. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> the dude that I was hanging with sees like fucking everybody swarming, like fucking like all the all the juice heads start fucking crowding in because they know it's about to hit. And he fucking like grabs me and yanks me out of the house. He's like, yo, we got to fucking go. And we like fucking jet. And I was just like, bro. And they're like all on the porch, like laughing and shit. And that right there was like the fucking fork in the road where I was like, I am never going to let a grown man speak to me or do something to that like that to me in that regard without the fear of his fucking life from now until the day that I die. So that's how I started training. I will never pour beer into your shoes. I'm going to, I'm going to put a note down right now <laughs> i mean that's just the honest truth dude like that was yeah, it no like, that's cool that's- i mean i and i know like maybe i have some inflated sense of self but i'm like i'm not like an asshole like i'm a pretty cool dude i treat people you know what i'm saying i mean you you and i are friendly i mean i don't know who else up taikai has something bad to say about me but like I honestly have never heard anybody say a bad thing about you, Tamden. I think everybody's too scared to say something. I know, right? (laughs) But I mean, even when I go up there, like, you know, like I I know I'm like a tough role and everybody knows when I go there, like it's going to be hard, but like I treat everybody respect. I'm not like, oh, I beat your ass. Like you're a bitch. It's just like, hey man, like thanks for the round. Like good. Like, I, you know, and, and I try to give back. So, but that's, I guess you could say those are the reasons why I fight or decided to fight or whatever. It's all that shit. And it comes down to, you know, part of it is like the, the shame, the shame game. And then the other part of it is just like the product of my environment being in like a hyper masculine and like very like fucking verbally, emotionally um, abusive setting. That was just like, I don't want someone to command that type of power over me. So I decided that I was going to fight, train, do whatever I had to do to make sure that when um, one of those opportunities came again, there wasn't like, I wasn't worried about my safety. I'm worried about whether they're going to be dead when I'm done with them. You know what I'm saying? That's more the fear than anything. Right. Well, then we'll say 
the last question we put it on the shelf but do you think running now after having such a fantastic career at fighting in the ring, do you think that running your own school now is, is just as fulfilling? Bro. So I'm going to give you, uh, it's more so. So, um, basically, I'm going to sum this up in a couple of different ways. So as an athlete, you can reach, like as the, the barn cat or whatever, they call me coach cat these days, you know. You're but, always going to um, be the barn catch. It's funny, dude, because fucking like this one guy, like there was these like, you know, like people on like the BJJ groups and like these guys are like, oh, if you call your, if you call yourself a coach, like you're fucking whatever it's either professor or instructor or whatever like you know fucking coaches in jiu-jitsu and these guys are all like getting on their fucking high horse and i like i have my my what people care about like you're like what why does that matter to you people are fucking stupid yeah it's like (laughs) funny thing these guys talking all this shit about whether like if they call you a coach it's not like a real jiu-jitsu or however they were they were like just you know degrading the thought of calling somebody a coach and i'm like I remember like I was scrolling through my phone and then like I sent a picture in like the comments and was just like, yo, what do you got to say about the, you know, like shut the fuck up. Cause my, my black belt says coach cat on it, you know, yeah. like that's what it says. Yeah. And they're like, and I remember like the dude who was talking shit was like, Oh man, like my bad dude. Like I, you know, whatever. And that's I was like, so yeah, I didn't say anything. I just left the picture and let it be, but it was just funny. Like how he was talking yeah. all this shit. And then I like, when I put a picture of me saying coach guy, he like, fuck was like, Oh, whoops. Right. You know, but anyways. Um, so to me, honestly, like there's a difference between happiness and meaning. Right. So here's something to chew on. Couples that do not have kids rate higher in the happiness scale, right? Than couples that have children, but couples that have children score higher in their sense of meaning than couples without kids that are happy. So happiness and meaning are two different things, right? So, fighting like the high of fighting and winning or whatever is obviously you were like happy the, world, the drug the ha- the quote-unquote happy the uh fucking dopamine whatever hit whatever it could be but there's not a whole lot of like meaning to that you know other than yeah. the immediate so from a non-reptilian sense the meaning comes from the coaching more so than it does from the fighting. So I find my experience as a coach to be a hundred times more meaningful than um, the, what is it? The fighting. So an example, so like I said, and I made this analogy to people back fucking 10 years ago, like back when I had my first layoff, let's say, and I had students that would ask me, like, yo, like, what do you think about blah, blah, blah? And I was like, listen, as a – even before I made a comeback, I was like, as a fighter or an athlete, like a Conor McGregor or whoever, like, famous athlete or whatever, you touch or inspire a lot of people in a very minuscule way. 
right? So you cast a wide net, but there's not a whole lot of substance to it. As a coach, my flock is much smaller. My reach is much smaller, but those connections my impact matter. is so much greater. And there's so much of like a level of like intimacy or, or whatever, you know what I'm saying? Like you. Instead of a net that you're well, casting out, catching a bunch of minnows, you're casting your hook out and able to catch marlins and yeah. giant swordfish. So I just know that like what I'm doing now on a personal level has so much more meaning and is so much more impactful on the world and the community around me. You know, like I have kids now, my kids are in school. Some of their kids that they go to school with train with me. Um, you know, I coach, I coach all my kids sports when, when appropriate. Uh, you know, I'm very involved in like, you know, I, I treat myself as like an educator, not just like a coach. So I, um, and really I always wanted to be like a teacher or like a coach. Like I always like, like the idea of helping others. Um, I want to be for others, what I wanted when I was a kid or, 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 you know what I'm saying? Right. I want to be for everybody else what I didn't have. And I have that perspective. So again, and this kind of goes back into uh, another life lesson. Everything in life is an example, right? You either, you find examples, everything that you observe, right, is an example. Is that something that you want? Yes. Then you want to move towards it or take action towards it. If that's something that you don't want, you need to move away from it. So an example would be like, obviously, like my uh, divorce was not uh, good, right? But my baby mama and I, uh, we work together and, you know, obviously we, I've had to let, let a lot of pride go to be in the position where we can have a good relationship for the betterment of my kids. Right. There's no like fighting when we get together, there's no like whatever. Right. She has a boyfriend. We're tight. My girlfriend and her, they're like tight. We're all involved in this like parenting dynamic which is so much better for my kids and everybody looks at us like we're fucking crazy well it's better than what you had as a kid right because i know how not to do things i know what not to do i know how to fuck your kids up you know Or, or make it more difficult so it just works out that way you know and that would be like my big thing too and that's uh going back to the coaching thing, I, I, I get something I get to share with my kids. I don't know if any of them will ever pick it up and go on with it. I, I kind of hope they don't, you know, I mean, nobody that grows up well-adjusted and like has a lot of love in their life is like, man, I want to go fight other human beings for money as a yeah. way of making a living. Um, right. But I, mean, I could be wrong. I don't know. <laughs> uh, so, um, but yeah, I get yeah, to share that's... in something. It's an activity I can do with my kids and it's like building a legacy, not only, um, you know, just in the community too, you know, a lot of kids come to me and uh, nothing uh, is better than seeing people grow and develop and improve and find fulfillment. It's, that honestly is the best thing. And like I tell people, I don't even give a fuck about the, I mean, I do care about the adults. Don't get me wrong. But I was like, if, 
I, I should be like a school teacher. I don't even know. Like, I mean, I, yeah. I couldn't with the mouth that I have. Uh, but uh, it just means <laughs> I, more to you to be there for the kids and be a good role model for the kids. Yeah, dude. Like, dude. And the other thing too is like they're so like malleable, you know. Like me taking you, like if I were to train you right now, like you already have a good skill set, you already know what you're doing, you know what I'm saying? I'm only gonna make like an incremental increase. Like your shit isn't gonna jump up overnight by training with me, right? Um, unless something miraculous happens. But like when you take a kid, they're a blank slate, they don't even know how right. to use their bodies yet, right? So yeah. just everything is every day is a win for them man and every and and if you share in that excitement they'll share in that excitement and then they're gonna want to improve and and my goal as an educator or coach or whatever is to try to help kids do things for the enjoyment instead of do things to escape shame does that make sense yeah yeah i was trying i was motivated away from pain and i want kids to be motivated towards like the pleasure or the fulfillment more so than like trying to escape the dumpster and the depths of, you know, sorrow or whatever yeah. fuck it might be. So if I'm a bandaid for them in the meantime, great. But ultimately I want people to grow up with a, a better sense of self, a better like um, purpose yeah. and all that shit, dude. I don't know. Well, thanks. Yeah, no, that's very well put, dude. I think uh, you put it, very well. It seemed like a couple of times you were trying to find the right words for it. And I think you did a, a fantastic job. I That's Jordan Peterson. Yeah, you've, always, you've always been a positive role model to me ever since I've known you. Martial arts and out of martial arts. So uh, I've always appreciated not just trying to blow smoke up your ass. Bro, um, you tell me. You still got a minute or you got to bounce on this? Uh, I got uh, five more minutes. All right. Real quick. Yeah. Bro, hit me. What's fatherhood like to you, bro? Ooh, you said earlier more meaning, right? Like that's uh to me, that's what it feels like. I still remember, uh, I I've told this before, but like the, I remember when Brittany gave birth to Ash, and I was just holding him in uh, uh, my hands in the hospital, and I remember this sense of like think like it's no longer just about me. Like I have something bigger to take care of something like bigger that I don't want to fuck up, you know, like, um, I don't know. It just, it was like the weight of the world kind of, uh, not like fell on my shoulders. I just, obviously there's a lot more pressure, right? Because you have a lot more responsibilities. And then you're also just like, wow, this is like, this kid's a, a piece of me now. Like I really like, I, I really got to step up my game now. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it was a weird moment where I realized like my life is no longer just like me, not just me and Brittany. It's, it, it's a hundred percent now him, you know, you realize that you, I, I, I'm going to sum it up for you. You realize that you got the call. It wasn't like the yeah. way to the world. It wasn't like the way to the world hit you. It was that you got the call, bro. It's like, you got called up. Yeah. Now it's time to go to work. You know? Right. So, yeah, exactly. Like shit, bro. Now, right. yeah. It, you know, for men and women, it's so different, right? Because like the, Brittany like was growing this baby. So she had that experience as she was like growing the baby and guys don't do anything. You know what I mean? Like we just are on the sidelines waiting till it popped out. And then for me, that was the moment. Like when I held him, I was just like, it was breathtaking. I don't know. It was really, uh, but ever since now he's like two years old and it's really cool watching him learn and progress. And it's funny. Cause you're like, I don't want to make the 
same mistakes that others made. And there's just, uh, I don't know, definitely a lot more meaning to my life perspective. My perspective has definitely changed on a lot of issues and a lot of things bro. Just because of him. I'm going to hit you with, remember your kids aren't always remember what you say or do, but they are going to remember your example, right? How you lived, what you did, all that shit. They're not necessarily listening, but they're always observing. Right. That's one thing. And I put it to people like this because, uh, you know, generational uh, trauma and bullshit makes you learn. You want to be the person. So this is why I say to men, you want to be the man that you want your daughter to marry. And if you're a mother, you want to be the woman that you want your son to marry. And if you're not those things, you need to take a look in the fucking mirror, right? Obviously, like personality types, but like, remember, they look to you. Like, you are the example. So the way that you guys function in a relationship, that's how they're going to look at their relationships when they grow up. Even if it's like now and it's short term or whatever, you think it doesn't make sense. But like in the long term, like they're going to remember that, right? Like, I remember how my parents were and I'm not that way, you know, right? Right. How like a boyfriend was not that way or whatever. Um, But that's the best way I can explain like character (laughs) to people, like as a parent is be the be the person that you want your perspective uh child to marry and or first exude that uh those qualities that you would want them to find and they'll more than likely find that you know because that's what they say you marry your mother you marry your father (laughs) my sister my sister and i did that so you know i'm right Right. you know (laughs) for me wrong for me the wrong reasons for my sister the right ones maybe yeah right that's funny well, dude, listen, this has been a blast, and I feel like we could do this for four more hours. Yep. So we'll have to do this again in the future. And I always appreciate your time. I've always uh, looked up to you very much in a martial arts standpoint. I've always felt like uh, you're one of the more well-rounded uh, people and martial artists I've ever uh, had a chance to train with. And I'm not just saying that to be nice to you. I, I wholeheartedly mean that. No, I appreciate it, man. Yeah, fuck, get me on Joe. Get me on the Joe Rogan, or or fucking do like a four hour one on this one, dude. We'll we'll light it up. We'll fucking knock it out of the park. Now you want to do a four hour podcast? I'll come with notes, dude. I got shit I can talk about. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Oh, dude, I love that. Thank you, sir. I appreciate you, bro. I appreciate it, man. We'll do it again.